Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. I feel truly, truly, truly blessed to have Pastor Linda here with us today. Um, Sean and I have known her for quite a while. She was an associate pastor at the church where Sean was a youth pastor. And um, she has has been uh, kind of like a spiritual mother to me for a really long time. She has been one of very few people that I feel um, like I can talk to, you know, that I can be open with. That's kind of hard for a pastor's wife to find that kind of a person. And she has been that for me, which is priceless to me. Uh, she, she and her husband, Tom, actually, you may not know this, they attended Journey near the very beginning. They attended for two to three years. And she was joking with me at the table that this looks pretty different from the first couple women's brunches we had because we had them at her house. And she opened up her, her lovely home and she would go buy the pastries and we'd have maybe 10 to 15, maybe 20 ladies there. Um, but she would minister to all of us, minister the word. Such a blessing. It was a blessing. She and her husband were a blessing to us at the beginning because we were very small and they lent um, some credibility to what was going on, you know, a little bit of a different age range than, you know, a bunch of us who were in our, in our 30s at the time. And so I really owe her a lot. She is um, a mighty woman of God. I really believe that this is God, that she is here this morning. I believe God's given her something, and I believe that you will be changed by what she's about to speak. So everybody give her a hand, please. to be here today, and uh, we did attend for a short period. I have uh, my former husband, my first husband passed away at 66 years old, and shocking to me, I was became a widow. I remember I didn't even like to, if I was filling out a form, I had to now say widow on it rather than married, but uh, married Tom Buckle then a couple of years after my first husband died, and uh, moved to California, where he was from, but he graciously let me move back to Kansas City, where I have my roots and four actual seasons here. It's just not right to eat outside on Thanksgiving or Christmas, you know, <laughs> if you're from the Midwest. And uh, we had heard that uh, Pastor Sean and Becca had uh, pioneered a church, and so we surprised them. I believe it was in April. And uh, so we just showed up. One Sunday, the, the church was in our neighborhood in the school there over in Woodneath Farms. Is that Shoal Creek School? And uh, so I said, the Lord sent me to preach today, which was not the truth. But <laughs> uh, I believed in them a lot. I remember when we were at Word of Life Church on staff together that I would walk early in the mornings uh, just to get exercise. And I would hear Sean Pastor Sean in the other room where he was in charge of the youth, there was kind of a curtain sort of thing that separated us. It, I, I still never have understood that. It wasn't a, a concrete wall, but I could hear him praying all the time. And just watching his life, their lives, I knew it was a man of integrity, and he would stand up always for what he believed. So just seemed like the place to go when we came back because God 
had not given us an assignment to go pastor anywhere. And so it was a privilege to be with you during that time. And then God sent us back to Cornerstone, again, the church that he called me to pioneer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today to be here with Becca and all these gracious ladies. I thank you for the message you have given to me today. I pray that your word would work in power and authority today through me, that the anointing is strong enough to break any yoke of bondage that anyone would have in this room. Father, you know how I feel when we have meetings. They are for a purpose, and they're for people to learn, to grow, to even maybe even change drastically this day because of something that's been said. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm going to talk today about what I would say to my younger self. Now, when Becca and I discussed that, my first thought was you would have all these negative, you know, good advice, but you'd be looking at your younger self like you'd made so many mistakes. And now we're going to correct them. You know, I'm going to tell this younger self what to do, which in my case, I wouldn't have listened anyway. <laughs> I might have, I don't know. But let me qualify this by saying anything I say about myself, because my first point that I'll make today is to know yourself. When I say that, I'm always talking about in the Lord. But he has created us from our mother's womb. The Bible says he knew all about us, even when we were formed in our mother's womb. I believe with all of my heart, each one of us has a purpose to be here. And many fall short of that purpose. I'm 75 years old. I used to think 75 was really old because my mother acted really old at 75 and my father. They could barely walk out to the mailbox. But it was a mindset, I believe. And 75 today, most of us that are of that age think we're 55 instead of 75. So if I couldn't pass on anything but that is to tell you, keep having a young mind. You know, uh, I said in a meeting not very long ago, one of the advice I'd give to myself would be, stop coloring your hair and let it just grow out naturally. Well, I didn't realize there were lots of hairstylists in the group, and it's like, don't be telling people that. We make money with them coloring their hair. But I thought, anyway, that's just a side note. I have lived 20, about 27,757 days. Ooh, that's a lot of days to live, isn't it? You know, just being old doesn't make you wise. It really doesn't. Haven't you been around old people that aren't wise? <laughs> and so it's really the wisdom coming from God. I grew up in church, learning the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer. I love church. I do not understand people that say they don't like church and they bash church you know, and like to tell you all the things that are wrong with it. I always loved church as a little girl. I wanted to go back. My parents just dropped us off at church, except for Christmas and Easter. But I wanted to go back to youth group. I was drawn to God. Now, I knew about God, but I'd never really embraced him in my own life. I had a foot in the world, carnality, and a foot over in the church. And so in 1971, in January, I gave my life to the Lord, and I meant it. 
So what I would say to my younger self is, yay, good for you. At 28 years old, you gave your heart to the Lord. Now I became a zealot, zealous for God immediately. A pastor actually told me that I'd get over this enthusiasm. <laughs> a pastor told me that. Now for this Irish, now we're green today, this Irish young lady, those were fighting words. Watch me. I will be determined to be on fire. When I die, I don't want a lot of regrets and saying I should have done this, I should have done the other. The, the point is that I'm making today is give your whole heart to God. And I've been in the church world forever and been a pastor for a long time. And I see a lot of people that still have a foot in the world and a foot in the church. You'll never reach your destiny doing that. I can stand here today and say, say, after I start following the Lord, after I confess my sins of what my past life, you know, I had some life. When you've lived to be 28, you have done some living in there, and some of it has been following the devil instead of God. Well, I got tired of serving two masters. The Bible says serve one master, not two masters. And so when I gave my heart to the Lord, I immediately started changing. I immediately heard the voice of God. So I would say everything I'm going to say and the advice I'm going to give in five points of what I tell my younger self has to do with getting on the road to righteousness and following the Lord. And then you will have very few regrets in your life, except for bad attitudes sometimes. Uh, even once in my life, as my first husband was dying and I was very sad, I found myself crying myself to sleep every single night and said, Lord, I know how mean the devil is. You know the Bible says in John 10, 10, don't you, that he comes, that he's a thief, a robber, he steals. But Jesus says, I come that you'd have abundant life. You'd have life more abundantly. So I was smart enough to know if I'm down... The devil's going to try to lay a trap for me. I'm the only person I've ever heard of that asked God to show them what the trap would be that the devil was going to lay for them because that's how serious I am about God. I don't want to get off track ever, ever in my life, and I have felt that way since 1971. And so I asked God, and he told me. I won't even share with you what he told me, but I guarantee you I didn't fall in that trap because I asked for the truth, walk in the truth. So number one, advice I would give a younger woman or give to myself, know yourself. Know yourself and who you are. Don't let other people define who you are. Be happy with who you are. I brought this with me because I have, where is it? That's the wrong thing. I've been studying the DISC behavior profile for years, and I should have done it sooner. It, 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 it's a tool that helps you understand your own behavior, your own personality type. Again, I'm always talking about in the Lord. But I learned that I'm a, uh, what's called a high dominant behavior style. I'm very task oriented. And so very task oriented people think everybody else ought to walk in lockstep with them. 
You know any of those people? Mm. And so I not only started understanding myself, I learned also I could modify my behavior. I was known in the church previously, years ago, as the Judge Judy of the church. <laughs> Pastor Sean once heard me counseling somebody out the door of the church, just like Judge Judy would. I've had enough of you people. That's the way I was talking. Like, you're not listening anyway, so why are you wasting my time? Here's the door. I'm going to unlock it. You are now leaving. And he happened to be standing there, a young pastor, and said, I didn't know you could counsel that way. And I said, I said you can't. Don't do it the way I do it. Because I'm very direct. And uh, a young lady who, she and her mother came in one day, and she had actually slapped her mother. I almost freaked out hearing that somebody would slap their mother. And she made the mistake when I said something to her of whatever. I said, you didn't just say that to <laughs> Practically coming over my desk. Anyway, that's the behavior of a high D. And so I learned let's modify that and not be known as the Judge Judy of the church. So you can actually, instead of making by, you know, excuses, that's just the way I am. I can't help it. Yes, you can. I'm going to say a lot. Stop it. Stop doing that. Just look at the other three, which are, you know, two of the behavior styles happen to be very people-oriented. I'm also very people-oriented. Some people are a high C, which stands for cautious, which means they'll just measure forever till they finally get it right. How many know somebody or you're like that? And it's like, well, I start learning to know myself, but also appreciate everybody else's behavior style and how I can learn from other people. That's what I would tell myself. Don't be so dang stubborn. Don't be so prideful that you can't learn from other people and their behavior styles. That's how we all get together as a family, as women, that we get together because we want somebody else's perspective, not just our own. Uh, amen? Can't preach on each one too long. <laughs> Number two would be to take charge of your life. Know yourself. Know who you are. You know, I'm just really hitting the highlights of these, but know who you are. But then once you know who you are, take charge of your own life. Years ago, years ago, I wasn't a young woman, but I was over 50 years old, I started a program called the Performance Planner. And it helps you, it was a Zig Ziglar program. How many know Zig Ziglar? I actually took a course for probably two months with a, a trainer that I would talk to on the phone after I got, went through all of his program. I'm telling you, God works supernaturally when you want to please him, because at the time, the program cost $1,500, and my husband said, no, we're not spending $1,500 for that. And I said, what if I earned the money myself? I was a stay-at-home mother. I did not earn money. And I was invited to the Lake of the Ozarks to do a women's meeting. Didn't even take much of a, an offering as far as we got into ministry, and they didn't have time to ask people to give money. And, but they handed me $1,500. So I came home going, <laughs> 
And so it was something that was life-changing. I'm telling you, to learn how to set goals, to complete the goals. I used to be kind of willy-nilly in how I treated life. Just case say raw, say raw, whatever will be, will be. As far as home life and that sort of thing, somebody could call and interrupt me and I'd stop what I was doing and go with them. How many know what I'm talking about? You just interrupted your laundry, your dinner plans that you were doing for your family because you were so desperate that somebody wanted you to do something that you went over and did something with them. I'll tell you, if you take charge of your own life, you will not be at the mercy of what other people think you ought to be doing. Write that down if you're right, taking notes. You will not be at the mercy of what other people. Maybe you'd even plan to just take a bath and somebody called you at the last minute. Hey, you want to come to our party? You can say, oh, I wish you'd have called sooner. I'm busy. It does something for the inside of you that you have taken charge. You and God, I'm always talking about you and God. I set goals every single week. I brought one of these just to show you my notes. And I, because I am led by my list of the dreams that I have, and then I write them down weekly, how I'm going to accomplish these, how I'm going to do this in increments, I've gotten a lot farther than I ever thought I would in my life. My parents had seven children. They were not the kind of people that encouraged us to do great things into the world, in the world. But I think in part under this category, I would say, think bigger than you're thinking. And then start writing it down of what you want to be and do in your life. Because no one else will do it for you. You will have to decide, you know, one day you're going to be this age standing here. And I don't want you to say, well, I wish I'd have listened to her and started making plans to do better. Just get started now. I also forever have journaled prayers. This is not a dear diary. This is talking to God. And I like nice ones. See that nice leather that you can bend? I like things that are expensive, you know. <laughs> My Bible is expensive. I can, when I preach, go like that with it. You know? <laughs> it's over $100, that Bible. And don't just get any little wimpy, wimpy, wimpy thing. You don't like the feeling of it, but something that you really like to hold. And I started years ago writing prayers to God. It's my own business. This is all under take charge of your life. I'm telling you things that have worked for me. And so I would start writing just between me and God. Nobody else sees these. I'm writing, and then I realized God began to speak to me. He interrupted my prayer. How dare, oh no, okay. <laughs> and so I learned to keep a red pen right there by my black one. And when I felt like God was speaking, I start writing it down. And guess what? He has talked to me since the day I met him. He has talked to me. In the beginning, it was correction. Change this, change that, do this, do the other. But now it's more directional. He told me about my husband, Tom, when I was not asking him if I would have another husband. I was too busy traveling, and I also had made the statement, 
What would I marry again for? I don't have time for my own kids, let alone some other man's kids. And it is the truth that it is hard to keep up, you know, with both. But I'm at a friend's house early in the morning, months before I met my husband, Tom, and I'm praying and God speaks to me. I've got it probably in this one that he says, I'm sending a man to you. Now, I know a lot of young women spend a lot of time begging God for a husband. Fall in love with God. Fall in love with God. Really obey him and follow him and let him speak to you about a husband. So he gave me details about him, and I met him several months later. I was not even looking for a husband, but God has blessed me with a very godly man. So did I want to say anything else under that? But take charge, take charge. If you take charge of your life, you're not as likely to waste time. Time is precious to us. I was going to begin with Psalm 71 that says, Now that I'm old and gray-headed, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation. That's what we're doing today. But don't be a waster of time. Time is precious. We get bored sometimes. There's two kinds of time. Chronological time, line upon line, line upon line. And then there are those Kairos moments where, whoo, God says something really special to you. But it's in those times that you're growing in God. When you're writing in your journal, when every day you are being diligent to pray and write and talk to God, then there are those moments that are spectacular in your life. How many feel like you waste some time in your life? Raise your hand. This will help you to stop doing that. But you have to document it. You can't just have it in your head. Amen? Amen. What time is it? Number three, I would say keep a balanced lifestyle. I've been in ministry for years, and I do have one huge regret, and that is that I did not create a sanctuary in my home for my husband to honor my husband, my children, our holidays, but I let, because, you know, when you become really sold out to God, oftentimes you immediately have this desire to help everybody in the world. How many know what I'm talking about? Every orphan, every, every hurting person, every homeless person, everybody that's starving. But you can't do it all, and that's what I was trying to do. And so I infringed upon my family. Now, I'm for life groups in the home. I love bringing missionaries in our home. Uh, that sort of thing enlightened our family. But I'm talking about hurting people, drug addicts, people that are demon-possessed, people, one little girl we brought in the home, the mother had died, and this little girl uh, was clinging to a rat when they found her. Of course, come to our home. Stay in our home. Have my daughter tell her testimony sometime what she thinks about me putting that girl in bed with her. Share in the bed. Did I care whether she had lice or anything? No. 
And she said, and she was in my closet, dragging my clothes out, that sort of thing. That all sounds all wonderful, doesn't it? Oh, we're just so wonderful because we care for everybody. If you don't care for your own home, you know what I thought of when you're on a plane and they say, put that mask on your face first? Sounds horrible, doesn't it? It's like, I got to put, save the baby. You're not going to save the baby till you take care of what's yours. I hope no one hears any of this as self-centeredness because it's not. I'm looking back at my own life and saying that was a mistake. I'll tell you a funny story. It was Thanksgiving. Dear God, people, why? And I'm, I'm one of these like, well, there's all kinds of people don't have any place to go on Thanksgiving. Did God tell me to bring them all in my home? You know, it's good to help people. We help people. We send money to missionaries. We personally have been to the mission field. But you still have to take care of your own home. You see how I'm ranting and raving on this because it's the biggest regret I have. It's ministry, the biggest regret I have. Now, it's Thanksgiving, and there's a single mother with three children. I've already seen how the children act. They're horrible, horrible. They do not mind her one bit. I've seen them at our church in Chillicothe. But I get the great idea. Now, who's going to turn you down when you say such a kind thing, like, let's have them come to dinner for Thanksgiving? Now, your husband's, you know, maybe not going to say no because he thinks, gosh, I'm going to seem like I'm not very godly if I say that. But I have three children. The youngest one at the time might have been five or six, I'm not sure. But I said, now these kids are not well behaved, so you are assigned to each one of these children. My kids had an assignment to watch the reprobates. <laughs> the ones that are, I mean, really don't mind. And I taught my kids to mind. Our yes is yes and our no is no. That kind of hard old school, you know. <laughs> and so they're there. We're eating. The kids are running through the house. And mine evidently got tired of watching them because I could hear things falling off of the shelves. <laughs> and I'm still trying to minister to the young mother. My son Jimmy went to the top of the steps to the second story of our house and yelled as loud as he could, when are they going home? <laughs> the mother says, are the children doing something wrong? I thought, we're in shambles here. Now that didn't stop me yet from that, but it should have. So the advice I would tell young women, protect your home, protect your home. Don't let your girlfriends be more important to you than your husband is. I made that mistake early on, too, because they were all on fire for God, and we're just on the phone all the time talking about Jesus. That all sounds wonderful until you're not cooking dinner like you should. So I'm a firm believer in keeping your home as a sanctuary. I'm not saying not to help the hurting people. Find another place to go help them. That makes sense? Find another place to go help them. And I would also, point number four is, beware of giving in to or succumbing to spiritual tangents. Stay true to the basic rudimentary faith that you have learned. I have had more things thrown at me 
that because I was so on fire for God, you know, we sing songs about more of you, God, more of you, God. Um, I'm not sure what that means. Once we come to Christ, we have the Lord in us. And there's a, we go through our lives growing in him, but basically we're growing in the knowledge of who he is. And the more we understand who he is, the more mature we come, become. But I've also been involved very much in the supernatural. I've seen people miraculously healed, delivered of demons, all sorts of things. But I would, I would say, as I look back, beware of chasing after those things. Let God bring them to you, not that you wouldn't go to a supernatural meeting. I'm going to give you a crazy example. God has been so good to me to not let me get off track because I've seen people get off track. Have you? I've seen them go over into what I call tangents. Someone said to me once, did you know that you could know there are angels? So, yeah, I know they're angels. No, you can know they're, no. <laughs> there are angels. Now, everything within me was saying, walk away from her. <laughs> you know she's weird. But I didn't believe me. I didn't believe this. And I said, well, Lord, I want to know there are angels. Well, the Bible says they're angels. See, we walk by faith. Amen? I know you hear that in this church all the time. Not by sight. By what the Bible says, there are angels, but we don't boss angels around. I think one last week, two, three, whatever it was, saved my life. I was on the highway going to Chillicothe, and I glanced away from the road for just a second, looking over here. Somebody whizzed by me, and I thought they were going to hit me. So I swerved a little. My car shook so much, I thought, I'm dying right now, right here. And nobody knows what happened, but I, I, I believe later I thought, I was so shook up. I thought, I wonder, I wonder if angels just kind of brought that car. God will take care of us. He will send angels, he says he will, to protect us. When we're in him, we're sold out to him, and we want to do his will in our lives, and we want that more than anything else, but we're not to chase after them. But he's taught me when I would be tempted to go over here a little bit, over in this, try this out over here. I want to know they're angels. Right after that on a Friday, our son Stan was playing football in Marshall. And I was walking up the steps to our seat up at the top. And I heard a voice over here say, Linda. I looked at the man. He looked at me like, why are you looking at me? <laughs> I go up there to sit down. And again, I hear behind me, Linda. I heard it about three times, and I tell you, you can trust what's inside of you when you have the Spirit of God inside of you. Something tells you something ain't right here with this voice that you're hearing talking to you. And so I said, dear God, I mean, all these people around, noise, you can imagine the ball game, and I can hear, Linda. And I said, God, what's that? <laughs> Remember when you ask about angels? It's called a familiar spirit. What do I do about it? <laughs> Repent. Dear God, 
forgive me. Everybody's around. Nobody even knows I'm praying. Forgive me for my curiosity. Forgive me. Uh, and, and make that voice go away. In Jesus' name. <laughs> and it did. But when I got back, I was a Baptist at the time, and I asked the Baptist preacher, have you ever heard of a familiar spirit? And he looked it up in whatever book he had. And it's not the only definition of a familiar spirit, but they disguise themselves as the Holy Spirit. And so he opens the book, and it says they throw their voice like a ventriloquist. Boy, I never did that again. But I have seen people think it was the Spirit of God when it was not the Spirit of God. So my advice is on tangents, stick with the truth. Stick with what you know to be true. And if you have questions, then ask your pastor elders, help me out here. Don't ever get over there and be the Lone Ranger. I have been in some of the weirdest prayer meetings and went along with them because there were people I respected. And, th and at the time, though, I'm thinking, I don't know whether this is right. I mean, I don't even want to describe them to you. It's like you're trying to get people set free. That's good, isn't it? We want to see people set free. My advice would be, do it the way Jesus did it. Amen? Stick with the way Jesus did it. Oh, maybe leave the mud alone in the eyes, but stick with the way <laughs> Jesus did it. But I've been in meetings where you're trying to help that person get set free, so you're praying and you're praying, and it's like they're having to birth something or do something. You're all moaning and groaning, and you're thinking, this is crazy. Have you ever been, anybody admits you've been to a meeting? Oh, good, I don't even have to bring it up. Oh, it's side. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean, then? Did you feel like later? Get me out of here. Yeah, yeah, let me out. And so these are called tangents that people, I don't even, I hate to even start mentioning what some of them are, but I'll tell you the Bible warns against it in Galatians. Paul says, you were running well, who hindered you? Why can't you just stick with the basics, the truth in the Bible? Why do you have to get over here and try to work up something? And I've seen us do that. Before And I would tell this young person, don't do that. Just believe in the supernatural, but let God do it. Don't you try to do it. See, man's forever trying to work up something, to get God's attention by working at it way too hard instead of just believing he has done the work. He has done it. Finally, I would say, if you find yourself, really, you just can't get free from a situation in your life, even at the, the circumstances you might be facing at the time, or something from your past. Don't have so much pride that you won't go get help from somebody else. There are times in my life I should have gotten help. While my first husband was dying, I almost had a nervous breakdown and was too prideful to let anybody know the shape that I was in. First of all, and I maybe have told you this, Becca, we had a Friday night service. I should have asked, could you dismiss me from Friday night? I cannot leave here and drive back to the nursing home. I am so sleep deprived. I should have had somebody help me. Will you listen to this advice and don't do what I did? I was so far gone, except I was so much in God too. You know, he'll never leave us. 
He'll never forsake us. As long as you want to be plugged in and want to know the truth, he'll tell you the truth. I'm sitting by myself in my house in Chillicothe and I'm working in St. Joe at the church. I'm so tired because my husband, before he was in the nursing home, was at home and he was up all night. I am not exaggerating, all night long. And he was losing his mind because of a brain tumor. And so I'm dealing with that myself all night. You think I didn't need to reach out and get some people to help me? And so I'm sitting there just diswrought in a chair. No expression, probably just feel like a zombie. And this little voice says to me, there's no help for you in God. Now another bit of advice, learn your Bible. Cover to cover, learn your Bible. I knew where that was in the Bible. Psalm 3, I'm going to close with this. And this has to do with if you're so getting where you know you're in trouble, ask for help. Sometimes you need to go to a professional counselor. Sometimes friends can help, the pastor can help, but get help. People that have wisdom. There are people with wisdom. I knew the scripture the devil had quoted. There is no help. That's the way I felt. I wasn't saying it out loud. I was thinking, am I always going to be stuck in this tunnel? It felt like hell on earth. There are times it feels like that as a Christian, unfortunately. We wish that were not the truth. But do I look like I'm in a tunnel now? No, he brought me out. My soul has escaped like a bird. Out of the snare of the fowler, the snare is broken, and we are escaped because our help is in the name of the Lord. So I walked across the room, picked up my Bible. Look, the page is torn. <laughs> Lord, how are they increased who trouble me? This is the psalmist. I don't know what he was going through. He was fleeing from his son Absalom, I believe. Many are those who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there's no help for you in God. The devil can quote the Bible. He may know it better than we do, but we know it in context, and it's good to have it memorized. But this is the part I expounded. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Father, I thank you for a life in you that you have brought me through every situation because I have put my faith and my trust in you, and you've done that for me. You've put a tenacity in me, a fight in me to fight for other people's lives. You have truly blessed me with an abundant life. And I thank you for this opportunity to come today to share in this short period of time of some things that have been life-changing for me. But Father, my desire is when all of us stand before you on that great day that you would say to each one of us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Man, if you want prayer, just come on real fast to the altar. It's already noon. 
I'll be glad to pray with you. Maybe you have some leaders here would pray for you. Somebody really hurting today and need prayer. Did this help you today? Um, okay. Just come on down and uh, I'll have uh, Becca dismiss in a minute and I'll pray with, with all of you. Anybody here not sure whether you're saved or not? Raise your hand. You're not sure because the Bible says you can be sure. When you confess your sins to him, he'll forgive you for every sin you've ever committed. When I prayed to receive Christ in 1971, after being a church attender, doing a lot of good things, I immediately knew I was going to heaven because the Bible says you can know you have eternal life. Anyone should have asked that first. We can be sure of our salvation. Absolutely and live the abundant life. Beck, I'll turn it over to you, and then I'll, I'll pray for these gals. Amen. Thank you so much, Linda. Could we get some of the leaders up here to, to pray too? <clears throat> Just real quick, and I'll try to keep it kind of low. You have all these keys, and first of all, if you didn't get your key, they're at the welcome table, and you want to hear how awesome God is? At the beginning of the year, we had this, uh, made this decision to hand out keys at this event. And I don't know how many of you remember, Sean preached a sermon where God spoke to him. And one of the three things was that God is going to give us a key to a new door. And I heard that and I'm like, are you kidding me? So I want you to, to wear this, to put it somewhere where you can see it, where you can remember. This is a key to a new door. I, I don't know necessarily what that door is. It's different for everybody. It might be new calling, new anointing, new perspective, new breakthrough, new way to see things. Um, but, but grab it, step into it, and remember that uh, God is giving you a key to a new door. And also, I want you to look at this and think of this as your house key. You are part of a family. This is your house key. You are welcome here. We are sisters. We are family. And if you're visiting today, you are honorary family. We can always add another leaf to the table. You, there is room for you. So I'm going to pray. And if you want, I encourage you guys, this is your chance. Reach out. There is room up here for you if you want prayer. Hallelujah. God, we just thank you so much for this word. We thank you for the power of God that is resting here. We just speak chains broken and lives changed in the name of Jesus. And I bless all these ladies as they leave. I pray that you will be with them on their way home. And we thank you for what you've done today. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.